This podcast includes explicit language and situations. It is intended for adults 18 years of age and older. These thoughts and opinions are not those of any specific group, employer, or individual. Listener discretion is advised. From the Spade and Archer Studios, welcome to Behind the Yard Sign with your hosts, Justin Reardon and Kelly Hanahan. All right, Justin, episode 15 of Behind the Yard Sign. We have a special guest today and a longtime client of ours. I believe you guys have known each other since the very, very early days of Spade and Archer. Yeah. And she's been kind of a pillar of our business for a long time, so that's really exciting. But before we even have her on, we thought about bringing her on today just because we've been doing a very special project with her that in this one particular staging endeavor has taken us on quite a journey. So tell us a little bit about what's going on with this particular house that we've been partnered with Alicia on and what the staging story has been. It's this house in Portland here and it's up on the hill. It's right below that the house that's on the hill that during Christmas time it has the big lit up martini on it. Like if you live uh-huh. in Portland you've seen this martini as you drive. It's right below that house and so during Christmas time you can look up and like you're like literally looking up at the martini. But it's been on the market. It was a lady is selling it. It was her mom's house built in the probably late 1980s early 1990s and so it's at like the height of unpopularity in terms of like style late 1990s is now 20 years past and that's when Mm -hmm. style kind of hits that bottom delve so when we went in and we did it, we looked at it. We agreed to stage it under a guaranteed program, which is that it's a program where you pay seven fifty up front, and then you don't pay any rentals or anything. We just take payment from closing. And right. so if your house sells really fast, it's maybe not the best deal in the world because you paid a lot of money to get this sold really fast. But it's a great deal if you are going to take a while and sell this house. So they decided to guarantee it on it. When we originally walked in there, the house is painted yellow on the inside. Real, real yellow, like 1990s yellow, almost like goldenrod. We were like, it's calm enough that we think it's okay. We'll compromise and we'll say you don't have to paint the whole house on the interior. Went through, we staged it. They did photographs, the whole thing, videos, all that. And it didn't sell. It's on the market, got caught up in COVID, the whole thing. And so they called us back just before Halloween. And they said, would it be okay with you guys if we pulled it off the market and painted the entire interior and then put it back on? And we were like, yes, I think that's a great idea, but let's also make all the staging look different so that nobody recognizes it as the same list totally you know, before house. because we literally have a stale donut. We have now staged a stale donut and we talk about stale donuts all the time on the show. So they finished painting it last week. And so we went through and we actually took, we kept the mattresses, we moved the couches around, we changed a lot of the furniture, we changed all the linens, we arranged all the art, we changed the color schemes and everything in the room. And we actually switched the living room with the dining room because it was one of those houses where like the living wow. room could be the dining room and the dining room could be the living room. And so we switched those two. We made the queen bed bedroom is now a twin bedroom. The twin bedroom is now a queen bedroom. We added an entire living room set to the master bedroom. And what was really interesting is that last time, because the house was yellow, all of the staging was geared at trying to calm the house down, like just make this house calm. So it was like very sparse, like it was very clean. This time, because the house was pure white, we went in and just like pumped that house up. We just brought life to it. We made it like comfy and warm and inviting, which both times it's the correct way to stage it. It's just different circumstances. Alicia's going to like photo re-photograph that, drone it and all that stuff. Drone it. That's a terrible term. Use a drone to make a video of the outside of it. It goes back on the market, I think just right before New Year's of 2020. Uh, we'll see what happens with that house. How, how much does this actually follow like our recommended true how to relist a still donut? Is, is it actually being delisted or the photo just being updated or? She took it off the market. 
She oh, repainted okay. it. She restaged it. She rephotographed it. She did a new video. Sure, sure. And she made a new a new video for it and a new 3D walkthrough. So I think she did every single step that we would ask them to do. This particular house has views for days. It's up on the West Hills. And they took all of the old like 1990s white metal railing down with the glass on it that is like constantly dirty. You know that that's right. glass railing they used to do in the 90s? And they put up black metal with airplane wire, air, airplane hanger wire, which is like those really thick wire railings that you see sometimes. It's much yeah, more yeah, modern yeah, looking. Yeah, 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 they yeah. redid all those railings too. So they did that and painted the entire into the house and like it looks pretty phenomenal at this point i would be super surprised if it doesn't sell at this point i'm super i can't wait to it. see it go live i feel like it's going to be one of those stories you know it sells in a couple of days situations i sure hope so fingers crossed if we can write a story about this and and be like hey here's the way that we staged it the first time this is our own personal stale donut like this is my sure <laughs> hi my name is justin and i'm a stale donut so <laughs> But it does, you know, we get so much pushback so often about aesthetic changes in addition to staging, which of course we're very sympathetic to we understand that people have put so much money into so many things, whether like, you know, they're, they're focusing on like updating the roof and like updated like bathroom fixtures and all these things that when it comes down to paint, they're like, really, do we have to, can we get away with it? But here we are with this place that we did our best. I remember those photos and the photos were gorgeous um, yeah. at the time, but it was yellow. I mean, that's legit. It was yellow yellow for sure yeah. and we get put in a, between a rock and a hard place because we're like yes this is a beautiful property there's a lot going for it we don't want to be a total stick in the mud and be a complete obstacle to you know being able to provide you home staging services to get this thing listed by making you paint it having it be one more thing but right. really look at what happened which is now it's been on the market for six months and this house would have looked like this the second stage, the first time, if they had we painted it. it. Yeah, absolutely. And so kudos to them when they came back and they were like, you know, we still want to keep going. How would you guys feel if we did these changes? And we're like, yeah, yes. that would be awesome. That would be That's a very great. good idea. Yeah, it'd be That's very awesome. cool. So, well, I'm yeah. really excited to see the photos. I love the before and after stories for a stale donut anytime. So I'm really excited totally. to see it. And Alicia's so great. I'm, and it doesn't surprise me at all that she'd followed the realistic protocol to the T. Yeah, you got to meet Alicia a couple of times. You've interviewed her or something before for our blog, right? She's always got great um, success stories up her sleeve. So I remember yeah. having been interviewed her a few times. So she's been with us for so long about different kinds of properties. And, you know, things happen with properties that are weird all the time. And sometimes home staging is a really great option for some of those uh, weirder stories. So we've definitely done some interviews in the past to share some things, some listings that she had. I think she's just about done with her shower and uh, blowout <laughs> in the green room. You want to go grab her and <laughs> Yeah, let's go bring her, her in. <laughs> exactly. All right, cool. We are so excited to welcome to the show Alicia Selikin. She's with Dwell Real Estate in Portland, Oregon. Woo! We've been working together for like, what, 700 years? Is that right? Yes? Yeah. Something yeah. like that? I mean, yes. like, Alicia was yeah. an early adopter of Spade and Archer. Alicia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Justin. I'm super happy to be here. We've been doing a lot of things together. I think we did like an interview with you for our blog. Mm -hmm. You did an interview with me for your videos that were going out, right? Mm -hmm. It's been this really long synergy. We've been talking to each other and bouncing ideas off of each other. I always love Alicia because she's I like, I'm like, sit next to me, sister, because we got stuff to talk about. We always got stuff to talk about. <laughs> always, always. And we have fun. Alicia, will you tell us kind of like what your journey was? Like, I was born a small girl in Alabama grew up and went to school. Tell me your journey. How did you become a real estate agent? Start from the beginning, take us through. 
Well, my story is a little weird because I didn't come to real estate like, oh, I dreamed of houses all my life. That's not my story. My partner had been a realtor and then started a real estate software company that was really cool. And early on, we sold our house. We took all the equity out of it. We put it into the little tech company and we took some angel investments and we were super excited. And things didn't quite work out the way that we planned. And there came a day when we needed some more funds. And so my partner came to me and said, hey, would you consider being a real estate agent and helping to contribute to the funds to like get this real estate software company up and rolling? And I was like, sure. And so like within six weeks, I got my real estate license and I wow. hit the ground. Six weeks, yeah. boom, bam, bang, change six of weeks. life. What were you before that? Before that, I was a social worker. So over 11 years, I spent in social work. I had my master's in social work, and I did a lot of in-home counseling, facilitated domestic violence groups for women. So I did social work for over 11 years, and then I actually was in a break period. I was staying home with my mm-hmm. kiddos. I was really fortunate to like be able to be home with them You got a, a boy time. and a girl, right? Yeah. So then when the call came, I'm like, sure, why not? And so it was an adventure for sure. And so I don't come from the experience of like growing up in a brokerage that wasn't mine. Mm -hmm. Like I grew up co-creating right from day one. And so in the beginning, it was just the two of us licensed. I was testing stuff for the software, making money to pour back into the company. You know, we were just, you know, a startup company and that eventually, you know, grew and and kept growing. (laughs) And so we kept having more adventures. And so that's how I came to real estate. It's a little bit different. I think I met you like in the very, very first weeks of Spade and Archer, my husband would bake cookies, which was my niece's recipe, Courtney, if you're listening, thank you for their awesome recipe for cookies. We would bake cookies and bring freshly baked cookies on a porcelain plate with a glass of milk, like a bottle of like homogenized milk into offices and be like, we brought you cookies and milk. And I think I met you like it was probably one of my first days, like even just starting to market. And you were like, you, we're going to talk. I was like, okay. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's the way I walked in because I can remember I was having one of those crazy days. I was running, running, running. And I was like, I walked in and I saw you and I'm like, that's something I want to know. Oh, I love that. how, How long had you been a real estate agent at that point? So I got licensed in 07 and you started around 09, right? So I'd probably yeah. been in it a couple of years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we had a little bit of an overlap there, but um, it was just, um, you were so warm and so receptive. You had such a connection. Like within minutes, I was, I was in it. I was in it to win it. I was like, this person <laughs> is going to be connected to me for the rest of my life. And that's, I think the most amazing thing that you do to be told basically like you have six weeks, become a real estate agent, go. I know people who take years. years and drag their feet and really take their time and are like super careful and you just jumped in with both feet and you're like hi i'm here now (laughs) this is what i'm doing right (laughs) yeah amazing amazing and now i mean this is that's what like 13 years ago you've been doing this for 13 13 years years amazing amazing you know you and i met 18 months ago and it just seems like every time that i come across your name you have a amazing success story to share so like i love it from my position because i'm not working with you on projects I just get to share all the good stuff. My favorite part about this podcast is oftentimes I'm meeting uh, clients of ours who I haven't met before and they tell me their story. And I'm always like, honest to God, shocked in these interviews because people have stories just like (laughs) yours. So like whether it's like sometimes they get into their story and I don't know their story and I'm like, oh my God, you were a punk rocker. And then here you are and you're like, I'm a social worker. And I'm like, that completely fits. Of course you were a social worker before your real estate that matches you (laughs) perfectly. For you, I would imagine 
women, being a social worker, you have a certain kind of ease um, and approachability with networking and meeting people and basically being able to build that trust that so many people are looking for when they bring on an agent. So like, how, what is your approach when you're meeting a stranger or someone you don't know? I mean, obviously you had an instant connection with someone like Justin, who's obviously very outgoing, easy to connect with, but otherwise what's your secret to kind of finding human connection when you're coming across strangers? I think I'm a super curious person just naturally. So like I see somebody and I'm like, and I love stories. And so it's like, hmm, you know, like, so I'll ask some questions and people open up and then you just keep asking questions. And sometimes you ask maybe one too many questions and you go like, whoa, sure, sure. <laughs> like what did I go there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but those also are fun too. So I'd say, you know, that natural curiosity and then also looking at people wanting to connect. Mm-hmm. Like I like mm-hmm. that. Like I like having, I want an authentic connection. I don't want like a superficial, like going to the cocktail party and like, oh, so where did Small you go to talk. college? Like that's not fun for me. Yeah. I love that idea of, of asking questions and being curious. It can also, it can blow up in your face. Like, you know, my oh, husband yeah. and I, we have a black <laughs> son. And when we first got him, random strangers would walk up to us in the park and be like, oh, was he a crack baby? I mean, and like, just like mind blown, like, I can't believe you asked that. Yeah. And before he had language, it was really easy to like make a joke and be like, yeah, it's so hard to find somebody who will sell crack to a baby. Do you have any suggestions? And you say something ridiculous like that, just to kind right. of like, you know, just blow it off. Him. Yeah. But once my son was able to speak, I had to handle it in a different way. And so when that happened, it happened only a couple of times when he was really little, I would turn to my son and I would say, do you remember how we talked about how sometimes adults ask questions that are inappropriate? This is one of those times. And then the person would be like, uh, yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that any of those people were asking that question out of hate or racism. I think they were talking mm-hmm. because they were naturally curious. They wanted to know like, what the hell is going on with you guys? And even at this point in the Pacific Northwest, we're so scared to talk about race. When we walk into a restaurant, right. <laughs> remember restaurants before COVID? Yeah. Remember those things? <laughs> um, there's like two white guys and a black guy and people look at us and they go like black kid, white guy, white guy, black kid, white guy, white guy, black kid. And it takes them a minute to like figure out who they are. <laughs> And I know who our people are because once they figure it out, they smile and they're like, oh, they're gay. And they adopted that kid. If they're not our people, they just turn away. And I'm like, done. I know everybody, I know everybody in here. How do you know when to stop being curious? How do you know when you pushed too far? When you've asked the question oh. that's the one step past? Yeah, you just, you know, it's the body language. and She says, you know. I'm like, no, we really don't know. This comes naturally it's, to you, so. <laughs> yeah, it's, so it's hard to articulate, actually. But it's like, you know, you're watching and, you know, for the body language. And then if you ask a question and it's as simple, like, yes or no. Like, it's, that's your cue. Like, okay, you know, we're done here, you know, or Sensitive. whatever. Yeah. But then there's other times where people really want to talk about their, their stories. They want to share. They want you to know them, right? And so they might, like, drop a little clue about, like, oh, you know, I was in a startup and I'm like, oh, well, which startup? Like, tell me more about that. And I think it's that tell me more. And then people will start like it comes out. And I love it because it's like, whoa, like, you know, that is. That's really interesting, though, because you're not asking about things that you're curious about. You're asking about things that they want to tell you. They just mentioned offhand. I'm startup. And it's really difficult. I mean, all of our favorite subjects is ourself. Like, I love to talk about (laughs) myself. Kelly loves to talk about herself. You love to talk about yourself. I think what you're amazing at is finding that thing. What is the thing about you that you love to talk about? And it's that you're such an attentive listener. Uh 
and you're grabbing those things and then pulling them back in and then regurgitating them back at that person again. They're like, oh, my startup is actually my favorite subject. Let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to yeah. um, travel around the U.S. and teach nutrition and a lot of holistic things or whatever. And when I would do that, people loved to corner you and tell you their entire <laughs> health history. Like literally everything that's ever happened to them ever. And then here you are, you're incredibly skilled interpersonally given the, the background you have in social work. And here you are ready with open arms to take on someone's kind of like financial story. And I'm sure they come to you mm-hmm. with so much information that they want you to understand because everyone wants to feel like that special snowflake. And it's just like, yeah. I'm sure, and you can correct me because I have never been a real estate agent, but I would imagine the process is similar to establish that trust is like, they really want you to understand everything that's happened to them. So you guys can work together and like make some progress on one of the more scary things they could do, which is sell their house or, or buy a house. Yeah. And I think there's that comfort and the vulnerability of it. And I don't need to like know all the itty bitty bits of the past financial pieces. Yeah. You know, we're just, we just need the ones that we need for right now and no judgment. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think that you kind of like I'll normalize, like if there's something weird in their past, they're like, Oh gosh, you know, by the way, this is in my back, my background. And that's okay. You know, like it's all right. For, for agents who are newer, if this is something that they need to work on and you want to encourage them to hold more space for their client's story, what kind of advice would you give them? I think that it's super important to do you, like do your own. If you're not a curious person, don't, I mean, you could play with it and test it, but don't try to do something that or be somebody that you're not. Be true to yourself because that's how you're going to best serve your clients. And the people that resonate with me might not be the ones that resonate with, you know, with other agents. And that's okay. And I think that that's like where when you're starting off, you're trying to be the be all to everybody. And guess what? You're not, right? Like you're saying, Justin, like know your people, like, you know, and don't beat yourself up. Like if you screw up and, or you're at an open house and it's just awful and awkward instead of going that self-talk to yourself like, oh my God, I can't believe I said that. Like, all right, I said it. And so then just go on to the next one because we've all done that. And I think that that's the thing when you're a new agent, you're thinking, oh my God, you can't know it all. And I don't know it all. And I've been doing this a long time. And I think that's part of the reason I love real estate too, is just like learning something new every day about myself, you know, and those things change, right? We're hopefully learning as we go and we're changing how we show up in the world too. So, you know, doctors, (laughs) medical doctors, people go to a dinner party, they're also like, so I have this black viscous fluid and uh, you know like, like do you end up becoming like the therapist often for these for, for the people that you're working with Ooh. You know, I have a wide range of folks. No. And like, I don't want to be like, I, you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, no, nobody yeah. wants to diagnose that thing. At yeah, the table. <laughs> I don't want to be that. <laughs> I left social work for a reason. <laughs> you know, with, with your business for so long, everything that you've been has been about these interpersonal connections with people. You have this amazing ability to just gel with folks. And now we don't get to see people in person and hug and shake hands and go have drinks and do those things. So how has COVID affected the way that you run your business? My car is definitely a lot hairier uh, for my dog. (laughs) 
like just like before, like when you're done. Okay, I probably should have said that. Okay, so um, you can say whatever no, you want. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, when you drive around, you have your car clean. But um, no, it it is different. Like because I'm a hugger and I'm a toucher. And early on, like when I first started venturing out, okay, we didn't know for sure like what this COVID thing was all about. So I like, had my gloves on, like you know, mask, and I was you know kind of a freak. You're, you're definitely more cautious. Like I feel like we're over the hump. Like at first, it was like really anxiety provoking meeting people, you know, because I was showing. Definitely don't have open houses. Your car being more, more hairy. Is that because you don't have people sitting in your car anymore? Yeah, so sorry. you don't have to yeah, keep your yeah, cars yeah. clean. Ah, ah, so if you're touring, <laughs> you guys drive separate cars. We drive separate cars. Yeah, which is different where before, especially like my out-of-town folks, I loved like we would tour a neighborhood just to kind of get a vibe for it. Different areas of town. So if they were new to Portland. So I don't do that anymore. And I miss that. That tour in the car, though, like when when I was looking at houses years and years and years ago, you would jump into your agent's car. You'd start a conversation. You'd go into a house. Yeah. you continue the conversation. you go back to the car, have more conversation now it must be much more disjointed because you get you know five or ten minutes in the house and then you're apart again and then you start over in the house it's like more jarring yeah yeah and i think that those times in the cars were where people would share like these stories and i would end up hearing the life stories in that setting because you're just sitting there and they're relaxing you know, people will give you a list like, oh, these are the houses I want to see and these are the neighborhoods or like, this is what I'm interested in. So I like to throw in a wild card, right? Like, let's just check out this one. And what I love is when people actually end up buying the wild <laughs> card, right? How wild is the wild card? Is it in their price range or is it like... Yeah, oh, yeah, I never go outside the price range. But like, you know, they might not think about a different little pocket, like a different mm. neighborhood that's kind of in the general area, but something that they kind of missed. One of the ones like close in Southeast is like the Brooklyn neighborhood, like people love Selwood and, you know, around. And I'm like, well, have you like, you know, even peeked in Brooklyn? Because there's some interesting things happening, you know, in that little teeny tiny pocket. And they're like, oh, I didn't like think about that area. And so then you might, you know, show them a house in that area and it clicks. Or, yeah. you know, if they think that they want an old house and then you end up like, well, let's check out this new construction. And they're like, whoa, whoa, you know, maybe this would be better for me because then I wouldn't have the ongoing home maintenance things, you know, so there's like just a little, you know, nugget. You don't want to like completely steer them for something that they don't want but every once in a while and you'll ask him like hey are you interested in seeing like a wild card or this or that and most people will in portland you can be like like where do you live like i live in brooklyn where do you live i live in hollywood like it makes a sound where it's so like you know (laughs) fancy hollywood portland it's different (laughs) (laughs) just a little bit you are very grounding and you seem like you are very present and very like zen and i would imagine that a certain kind of client is just like yes this chick is going to keep me so grounded through this insane experience, right? (laughs) Has that been difficult or easy for you to find your space, your team, and really be able to create that brand for yourself inside real estate? One of the things I love to do that I guess is part of my brand is that community engagement, right? And I want to do it in an authentic way. I don't want to like be just like throwing money at different different agencies. And that's probably comes from that little being, you know, in social work and being in direct service and stuff. Like I like to do things like pre-COVID, go to the food bank and invite like clients and Fun. invite like fellow agents and my people from escrow and just like, all right, let's just show up, get some coffee from 
some Starbucks and get some donuts and stuff and meet in the parking lot and kind of talk a while and then go inside and then pack potatoes or whatever the thing is. So I love that piece of it. Or when I had my brokerage, I had the flexibility of like connecting with other agencies and like doing an after school program. It's like, okay, we've got a couple of photographers that are interested in giving back to community. Um, There's this amazing sun program through I Have a Dream, which is now greater than. How about if we come out with the two photographers and do an after school program for the kiddos? And uh, my son's really into go-karting. And how about we come out and do like a six-week go-karting program for the kids and invite them to participate yeah, so stuff like that. So that's like kind of pre-COVID and like you get to be creative and and do different things like that, kind of like the hands-on. And during COVID, like that piece has shifted as far as like the community involvement I'm having to kind of stretch to find different things that like really spark and uh, make me excited. So there's a project that that's out there right now called Sack Cloth and Ashes. And it's a guy that's locally who his history, his mom became homeless and he wanted to help the homeless community. So he started selling these beautiful, beautiful blankets. And if you buy one, they come in a box and inside the box, it has a list of things that the shelters need. So like, okay, fill this box with toiletries and socks and different things. And here's a label. We're just going to make it super easy. So that's like the thing I'm cooking on right now. And COVID is like, I just reached out to that guy because I'm like, okay, I'm one agent. And I am like, if I buy you know, 25 blankets. But if I get some of my other Mm -hmm. agent friends, you know, we can have a bigger impact. And so that's something that's kind of, I'm cooking on that right now, right? And so that's a piece of it as far as brand and connection and community. And as far as being in the brokerage, that is a challenge because like when pre-COVID times, like some of the best days are, you know, walking in. And I think that people choose their brokerages. There's like one of the big pieces is that sense of belonging, right? And so as a brokerage owner, one of the most important things that you can do is to create an atmosphere and a container for your people. And when I say your people, it's like that's the agents, that's the people at the front desk, that's the people who are coding or doing your um, fantastic marketing. It's like you're all in this together, right? And so there's that piece and you have that creation that comes by being together. And so when you are in your separate little silos, it definitely takes more effort. And I don't think it's as powerful. You know, here we're not you know, it's different, right? It's like a different environment to connect. But I think that there's also going to be some interesting things that come out of the COVID times and that connection piece too. You don't miss something until it's yeah. gone. And now that we have, don't have that anymore, it's, mm-hmm. it's something that we will really grasp onto and hold onto tightly once we have it back again. One of the things that we do, my, my husband and I do whenever we move into a new house is we go, we invite a couple people over to our house and everybody either gets a bell or some salt or a stick of it incense or a little glass of water and we sprinkle the four elements into each of the corners in the house to cleanse it i don't know exactly what that means but we've always had good luck in it and every house you guys is always that, treated that really is well. so much woo for you justin i am surprised i know and i am not Yay, i am not a faith-based thinker i am very logical and scientific i'm not that guy but Those it is blessings. the ceremony of it that feels really good to us and kind of like washes yeah. away the last person and kind of brings us into the space. I think that's from like the Wiccan tradition. <laughs> it's something like, I mean, we put up a Christmas tree too. That is not very you know scientific, but we still love doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we talked a little bit yesterday about this idea of the house, like the structure, the house becoming the, the home and this energy. And you use the word woo-woo. And so I yeah. just would love for you to define for me what is woo. It's so funny because Kelly used the same word. What What is woo-woo? What does that mean? Woo-woo 
is that thing that you can't really put your finger on, right? Like it's it's a feeling and it's like this inside, you know, it's the heart, it's the, I see it when I'm out showing people, like I'll walk into a house and it's energy, right? And so you walk in and there's some houses that like, ooh, this feels good. And I'm like, this is a happy house. And it's interesting because some houses aren't, right? And it's interesting watching people come through and their reactions to that space. And that's how you kind of know, that's like information to me when I see somebody light up or get happy, pretty obvious that like this is a good connection. And then if it's the opposite, like, you know, I, there's so many experiences, um, like going into places where it's not that happy feeling, you know, and there's some like creeper houses out there sure. that like on the outside, you pull up and like, oh, this looks awesome. And then you go in. Have you have you had an experience like that? Absolutely. I was out with this guy and he's in tech. So he's super like you, you know, just super analytical and nice guy. And we're having a good time. And we're in the car together. And we pull up to this house. It's in Southeast. It was in the Tabor neighborhood. And we're like, oh my God, this looks fantastic. I can't believe it's still on the market. We go in and I can remember like walking in the door and just like smells different even. Like not like cat pee smell or something like that, but just like, but you walk in and there's that, okay. And like, all right. So we keep going. I can remember by the time we were in the basement, we were like huddled up kind of next to each other. And he's like, I think I've seen enough. And like, let's get out of here. Yeah. So the woo is that feel, right? That That's that information. It's another it's another way that you're getting information. Even the person that walks in with the, the notepad and like, okay, this has, you know, like the bedrooms and baths and stuff, they will react to that feeling as well. And I see it time and time again. Yeah. And I think that the woo is, yeah, it's the energy. It's the intention. Um, I feel yeah. like you need to travel around to houses with like a purse full of like sage to burn in your purse. Okay. So I'll tell you a little story. I don't know if I should. <laughs> <laughs> it's even a step beyond that. I used to, because I'm sensitive, okay? Yes. And so some people, if I don't even like, I'll just like, like, okay, so I used to travel around with a little portable, it had this like little teeny tiny abalone shell with a sage uh, stick in it. And like, if I got out of some place, it was like, yuck, like I would light that thing up and... <laughs> I, um, I love it. I wish I was more intuitively gifted, but like your sensitivity comes across as so incredibly effective in your business. And by sensitivity, I mean, that is a strength being able to pick up on things. But the downside of that is you're walking into a creepy ass place. (laughs) You're going to feel it. And you're like, I need some energetic protection. We got called out to a house and it's just a standard one story ranch house in Northeast Portland. And the real estate agent greets us outside and she's very professional. And there's like a couple crews of like construction people like cleaning up the house, doing the thing, which is very normal. Every house we go to, there's something going on. There's landscapers or something. We're walking through the house and we're doing a tour. I noticed that like on the coffee table, there's like a, this is before marijuana was legal. There's like a little pile of marijuana next to a little pile of cocaine. And I was like, okay, that's a little different. Uh, (laughs) And then like, we're walking through the house. It's like, it's a mess. And like on the windowsill, there's a single stem rose and all the petals have fallen off less one. So like something is recent there. Something has happened there. And I'm walking through, I'm walking through and we get to the end of the tour. And I was like, so do you want to tell us what happened here? And she's like, yeah, I can tell you what happened here. I was like, okay. And she was like, well, this woman owned the house and now her brothers own the house. This woman owned the house and her boyfriend murdered her and he is in jail now. Uh, And the house has been sealed off as a crime scene for the last six weeks. And we are just now getting it back in the last three days. And I was like, thank you so much for sharing that with me because now I know that it's our job to erase that feeling Mm -hmm. from this house. And so we had to like go through and and specify all the paint colors because it was painted very poorly. And we, we got it to the point where like it actually felt 
maybe not necessarily happy in that house, but at least neutral. It was a tough thing to do because that was always in the back of our minds that we were like, we have to make people not feel this when they walk in here. There's lots of people that have that energetic sensitivity. They can just feel it. And I mean, I'm basically dead as a door now when it comes to emotions. <laughs> I, my heart is like cold and black and shriveled. And even I felt it. I was like, something yeah. is not right here. <laughs> so I think it's a very real thing in real estate. And I think being attuned to your spaces and listening to your body react to yeah. that trauma or whatever the heck it is that's in that space is incredibly important. There's so many emotions in this business and there are so many hard days and there can be so many disappointments. What was your worst day ever in real estate where you're like, oh, when in particular recently, because it was early COVID, I had this listing. I think you guys staged it, right? And we uh, got into contract right away. And so it was early COVID. So people were, you know, being really particular, like we weren't going out a lot. And so a home inspector went out to the house and left a shower running and it went on for days. The appraiser went out and he appraised the house. So we get the appraisal, appraisal comes back. I think it was at value, maybe even higher. And then uh, long story short, I get this call like a couple of days, a few days before closing. And they're like, oh my God, my in-laws went over to check the house because it had been vacant, vacant staged. And there is water running down the walls. So anyway, long story short, the, the home inspector had uh, left the hot water going. It was one of those hot water on demand things. And it had just like basically just the inside of the bathroom. Everybody denied like responsibility and the home inspector was like, it couldn't have been me because their appraiser, you know, was out. And I checked in with their appraiser and I'm like, did you notice any water running? He's like, no. And I'm like, can you send me the pictures of the bathroom? And then he sends me this picture and there's like, you see water running down. And it's like, oh my God, like nobody noticed it. And that Wait, was he just took like, pictures of the space and didn't notice did. water running into me. Cause like in. the basement flooded, right? Like it, yeah. it flooded. It was, the, it was the master bathroom, the icky part for me that made it bad. It was just like, it's it's one thing if you screw up, just say like, I really screwed up, you know, like that's why we have insurance and then just like take responsibility. And then when you have people that aren't, that just kind of makes it a crappy yeah. day in real estate. I think for new agents, it's just harder. I mean, own your stuff though. Like if you screw up, own it and just know that everybody at some point in time is going to make a mistake. And what matters is how you deal with it. We have a policy in the company that nobody gets in trouble for screwing up. You only mm -hmm. get in trouble if you don't tell someone. We're like, we can handle any problem. Anything that goes wrong, we can fix it. That's no big deal. But we have to know about it first. Don't just try to fix it yourself right. and be like, nobody will notice that this window's broken. And so, you know, we get phone calls <laughs> often throughout the day where like, you know, we broke this window or we uh, left a sink on or whatever the heck it was. You know, we call the agent. We say, hey, we screwed up. We're going to fix it for you. And they're like, great. Thank you for telling us. That being said, we get blamed for a lot of crap we don't do, too. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, you staged this house six months ago, and there's been 700 people through it, and there's a stain on the carpet. You must have done it. And I'm like, uh, was it us? Must have been those stagers. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> on yeah. the opposite yeah. side of that, tell us about the day that you were just like, I, this is why I'm doing this. This is the reason yeah. why I'm here. This is so good. I would say that's kind of like a groundhog day for me. And I'll oh, tell you what. Oh, what a nice so, response. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, okay, I can't think of like one particular day, but I could tell you that feeling of being with somebody in that space, like that's theirs, like, you know, it's their, their house, they're meant to be there, seeing them react to it. And so I guess I will pull one in. This older woman had moved to Alberta Arts area to be close to her adult children and grandchildren, and she and her husband, and we were sitting at the table, the dining room table in a super cute house and having the home inspection and looking around. And, you know, 
I look over and I'm like, well, you know, how are you feeling? And she teared up and she was just like, I am so happy, Alicia. And then I teared up. Those are the precious moments that like, I'm like, all right, yes. Like I, I love this. The people that I get to meet and that come into my life for whatever reason, doing this job is priceless. And so that's like my groundhog day. Like I am lucky enough that I get that over and over again. And that's like, that's the juice that keeps me going. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. If I can quote Steel Magnolias, laughter through tears is my favorite emotion. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to talk about a couple of really fast things before we wrap up here. You talked about a company called Sackcloth and Ashes. And I just wanted to give their website, which is sackclothandashes.com. So S-A-C-K, Sackcloth and Ashes. You can find them on the internet and they do have really just beautiful blankets and a really wonderful story. Check that out. If you're looking for a good closing gift, you can take Alicia Silicon's lead. This is a great one. Yes, please do it. Copy away. Really beautiful. (laughs) And then you can also find Alicia at aliciasilicon.com. The spelling of her name is in the podcast description. Uh, you'll see that online. Alicia Selican is a real estate agent with Dwell Realty in Portland, Oregon. She's been an avid Spade and Archer fan for years. We have been an avid Alicia Selican fan for years. Thank you so much for being on Behind Thank the Arts. Thank you, Alicia. Alicia. I really appreciate Aww. it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, and I do love you guys. You're awesome. <laughs> Bye. Alicia's so sweet. So, so, so sticky sweet. We love her. Delightful. Course. Like delightful. She really yeah. is. I love her story. And again, like like my reactions to the podcast are real when we do this because I really don't know people's stories. I, I like coming in kind of blind. You do the pre-call and often have a slightly a closer relationship to These people's, yeah. our guests. And so you kind of know. And I never know. So I'm always like so surprised. It makes so much sense to me that she was a social worker, obviously. <laughs> I walked her back to the green room after this. And she was like, did I do okay? I'm like, yeah, you did great. You did really good. And I loved her softer energy and how she works at in her business. But what I really like thinking about when we were, she was reflecting on the energies that houses have, you know, we don't really put language to that in home staging. You know, we talk about the psychology of home staging and how we facilitate a potential home buyer to imagine their life in that home and all these things. But we are cultivating an energy. First of all, we sanitize. (laughs) We do our best to sanitize the the existing energy, right? (laughs) Best we can. And we're literally installing home staging, but installing new energy. And we do all kinds of weird, silly and quirky things to facilitate that when you really stop and think about it. Sometimes we're just so in our own business, we forget. But one really weird, funny thing we do is toys. Oh, yes. Why don't we talk a little bit about how you just, you came to that conclusion where you inspired from something else? Did you come up with that yourself? And why the heck do we put toys in our staging? Nancy Chapin's been on this show before. I think she was like guest number three or something like that, or guest yeah, number four. Yeah, early, early. Show. And the very, very first time that Nancy Chapin used us, I got a call for like a frantic phone call from her. And she's like, I don't know what is going on. And I'm like, what? And she's like, there is a bowl full of army soldiers in the living room. And I don't think that that's appropriate. And I was like, okay, stop, stop, take a beat. Just take a beat for a second. Let me explain to you why we do that. And she's like, okay. So this is why we stage with toys in like every single house. Have you ever been to an open house where there was another couple there who had kids? Mm, Yes. What are the kids doing? 
Dying to get out. Dying to get out. Whenever you go. To get anywhere. To literally be anywhere Anywhere else. but that house. And so yes. I started thinking about what it was like to be on house tour with your children. And it sucks because you're trying to talk to the real estate agent, make some really tough decisions about the, like, the biggest thing you're going to buy. Most likely in your entire life, this might be the biggest purchase of your entire life. Yes. Especially for a young yeah, family. And your kids are like freaking out. And maybe you're vegan and they're trying to eat the beef tacos that are on the countertop. I was in (laughs) an open house once. The real estate agent had literally made like shrimp salad. Oh my God, you told me this story before and I was grossed out then and I'm already grossed out again. I don't want to hear about the shrimp salad. It's so gross. It's so gross. I don't Hey, you want some room temperature shrimp salad with mayonnaise in it? No, Mm. I don't want it. Okay, so- um, You're stressed out. And the last thing you need (laughs) is to have your kid like yanking on your pant leg, like trying to get your attention. And so we hide these Easter eggs in in plain sight. I say Easter eggs, like in a video game, they talk about Easter eggs that are like little things that you can find, like little, you know, Taylor Swift puts Easter eggs in her videos all the time. Yeah. So we hide these little Easter eggs throughout the house. And a lot of times it's like a bowl of army men or a book topper that's actually a slinky or it's um, one of those like Tetris type puzzles that you can take apart and put back together again or it's a transformer that's been spray painted gold like there's you know there's all these little toys that are kind of hidden throughout the house and the idea there is that if the kids get set loose that they can find the home staging and entertain themselves and the idea is to give Mm -hmm. the parents a break for just a minute to let them think The idea came from this. We were flying to New York from San Francisco to go see my husband's family. And we had one and a half year old. He's like 18 months at the time. And we had this like six hour long flight. And a friend of mine said, go to the dollar store and buy 10 $1 toys. Spend $10 on just the stupidest Mm -hmm. throwaway toys. And every 30 Uh minutes, give them a new one. And I was like, genius, this is before they had like TVs where you could just be like, here's your earphones, watch cartoons for the next 15 hours. And so (laughs) I thought about this idea of like the new toy. And so almost every house has some toys in it hidden somewhere. Now you will probably notice that when we stage children's rooms, we don't stage them as children's rooms. Like we do twins a lot in rooms and we'll do fun kid type colors, but they don't, are not filled with like stuffed animals and TP. Number one, cultural appropriation, TPs. But we don't do that. And the reason why is because kids don't buy houses. Parents, specifically moms, buy houses. And so we stage these rooms as to what a mom would want her child's room to look like. And that is extremely well organized and very, very clean. Super yeah, very clean. clean. Spotlessly yes. clean. Mm-hmm. Perfectly made bed. Like if we were staging a realistic kids room, like the bed would never be made. <laughs> That's like the true psychology of staging. In your new life in this house, you're going to totally have your shit together and this house is going to be clean the your whole Your kid's going to make their bed. It's going to be great. <laughs> Just wait. Yeah. <laughs> All you have to do is buy this house and your kids are magically going to make their own beds every day. <laughs> There are really like a lot of like emotional ploys that we do to get people to buy a house. And one, like if you, if it's the one house where mom and dad are not stressed out because their kids are freaking out because they're playing with a slinky upstairs, this might be the house that they buy. Number one, because they're not stressed out. Number two, because it's color blocked and they can talk about it. Number three, it's beautiful and they want the life to be like that. And the house, the rooms are all clean and it looks great. Right. So yes, I, I think that the emotional aspect 
of home staging is just as important as where does my TV go? Will this bedroom fit a king size sure. bed? Those those really hard scientific facts that are going in there. And we are very systematic about how we evoke those emotions that we want to evoke while we're there. Sure. And we do work really hard. You know, like we, we talk about all the other points all the time, the design principles we have to help facilitate the psychology of the stage and letting people imagine their life there and not having fake things, staging to scale so people can really feel what it'll be like. It's very realistic. Well, none of those things will hit if you've got a screaming four-year-old. No one cares. <laughs> no one cares. No one yeah. cares because they're just, they're just trying to get, like, get the hell in, get the hell out, get the stats on the house and like move on because they've got these kids in tone that can't even concentrate. So it's for our benefit as well for people to get the full experience of the house, of the staging, if these kids have something to do in the meantime, which is, I think, brilliant. I don't think, I've never seen any other stager do it. A week and a half later, I was up in Seattle after this phone call from Nancy, where I was like, hold on, take a beat. Oh, right. I walk into Nancy's open house, and I specifically went during her open house because I knew she was going to be there, and I walk in, and in the living room, this little girl has taken the cushions off of the couch, built a fort, and is having a war with the army men in the fort from the cushions of the couch. And I looked over at Nancy, and she looked at me, and she just shook her head, yes, and I was like, yep, there it is. And then I went over and I said, put those couch cushions back. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. Yeah, right. You did not. You did not. You're like, you want the couch? Take it. Uh, our guest today was Alicia Selican with Dwell Real Estate in Portland, Oregon. You can find her at aliciaselican.com. Our music is composed and performed by Joff Metz. You can find it at fivestargitars.com. Thank you so much to all the folks who have reached out. The response has been overwhelming. If you have a story that you'd like to tell, whether you're a new agent or an old agent, everybody has got their journey, their story behind the yard sign. Reach out to us. You can find us at spade-archer.com. Just click on the podcast link. Kellyanne Hanahan, you know. I love hanging out with you. Always. So much fun. Thank you, Justin. This production of Behind the Yard Sign is brought to you live from the Spade and Archer Studios. Spade and Archer Design Agency is the world's first guaranteed home stager.